Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this morning is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, it's 8 a.m. You ready to talk some Islanders hockey? It's what, it's what I do every morning at 8 a.m. <laughs> of course. Why, why would you do anything <laughs> exactly. different at 8 a.m.? Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we have a lot to get to. They've played a lot of games uh, since we last spoke. Uh, one of them was, uh, I think, could be classified as a, as a pretty cool and very satisfying win. And a couple of those can be considered tough losses, and one was a total blowout, uh, which we'll barely talk about. But so I just want to go through these real quick, and um, you know, if there's a if there's something you want to say about the games, just just jump in because I, I just want to get through them real fast. Let me pull up my my little notes here that I took on my phone. So uh, right after we we spoke, they played a game against the Winnipeg Jets at home, uh, coming off of that huge victory at the Coliseum against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, really the. We were we were concerned about that game against the Jets because the Jets are really good, and uh, through 40 minutes the Islanders played them really really well. It was tied without you know with no no goals and uh, they were playing very well. Um, then Matt Barzell took a bad penalty, the Jets scored twice in 22 seconds, and that was all she wrote. <laughs> there was nothing nothing doing really for the rest of the period, and that was it. And uh, that was a frustrating one because it felt like the Islanders had a chance to really take some points. Um, 
a couple of nights later, they played a game in Pittsburgh and got their doors blown off 6-2. Game was never particularly close. Trotz called it uh, too friendly a game, uh, which will come back in the next game, which was uh, a, a game in Detroit that was anything but friendly. Uh, that was actually really kind of a cool game to watch. Um, very, very Islanders-type game. The Red Wings went up. 2 nothing. Uh, Justin Abdelkader scored a goal, and as I said in the comments, I'm 1,000% certain that Butch Gordon called him Justin Alligator when he called that, that goal. I absolutely <laughs> believe that. <laughs> it was Justin Alligator. And then uh, he kept calling uh, um, uh, Nicholas Cronvall uh, Cromwell, which is, I guess, a, an allusion to Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the Red Wings went up... Uh, you know, really quickly on two goals. Uh, one was called back, but they got the goal back. Uh, Grice looked terrible in that first period. Uh, Josh Bailey got into a fight with Dylan Larkin, two guys that aren't really known for fighting. Um, Anders Lee got hit by Nicholas Cronwall, uh, a.k.a. Oliver Cronwell, and uh, it looked pretty bad. He was bleeding, but uh, I thought he had a broken nose, but I guess he came back uh, and played. And Johnny Boychuk got into a fight with Justin Ablocator, a.k.a. Justin Alligator, and uh, really messed him up. Uh, Applicator was was pretty beaten after that. But the Islanders came back. They they mounted a comeback. They they really outplayed the Red Wings for most of the second half of the game, uh, and then just sort of you know uh, played some pretty uh, annoying defense <laughs> towards the end. Lots of icings and and kind of just very very safe. Um, but uh, they came away with a three two win, which was I thought really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, again, very satisfying coming off of two two losses, one hard luck and one kind of blowout. They then had the Penguins again on Monday at the Coliseum. And again, just like the Jets game, played really well. Um, the Penguins had all the numbers in their favor, but it seemed like the Islanders played them okay. Uh, they went to a shootout, and the Islanders couldn't really put anything together. Josh Bailey scored, went four or five rounds. And Jake Getzel, his first ever shootout attempt, uh, won the game for the Penguins. But again, it, it wasn't the worst shootout loss ever. I thought they played really well. And, uh, you know, you took a point from it. It's not that bad. And then you thought that, oh, well, I mean, they got Vegas at home on Wednesday night at Barclays Center. That, that'll that be kind of game you can get some points from. Uh, but, alas, that did not happen. And just hours ago, last night, they lost 3-2 to the Golden Knights. Um, they had everything going for them, the Islanders did, and just couldn't get a goal in the third to uh, – to tie the game or, or win it, and Trotz called it a missed opportunity, and uh, I guess that's really being very general. So, um, you know, sort of up and down, not the greatest week in the, that the Islanders could have possibly had. They're still in a playoff position right now, but their goal differential is minus three. They got a bunch of teams hot on their heels. Uh, wh- what are you thinking right now? Where, where are you sitting after these five games that we just uh, just recapped? Yeah, that those those like results, even like surface level, right? It'd be one three and one or whatever it was it is what you'd kind of expect the island your our preseason expectations of the islanders would be you know they sure they hung with a couple teams but they didn't get the win and uh that's frustrating i thought the the penguins game on monday or not sorry was it Mo- yeah monday night at the coliseum yeah i thought the the game you could you saw the game plan that was the most uh invisible i've ever seen or not seen Sidney crosby against the islanders you know, because every every time they play, you you get reminded that he scored you know 812 points and 
against the Islanders in 400-something games or whatever it is. And uh, they Trotz, you know, Trotz has played against him so many times in huge games, so he's obviously, him and his staff have had a good game plan, and uh, it really worked, especially with the last change. Uh, Casey Sezika seemed to be tasked with him. Uh, and he's been really, really good this this season. So I w- that that was honestly, I w- obviously the win is is the game that was the most important of the bunch, or the one that made me most positive. But that was the one that I thought uh, was was maybe the most uh, impressive and and important to going forward. So just knowing what this team can do against good teams, uh, they turned a game and against a good team into a coin flip, and they just lost. So I was uh I was I was pleasantly surprised last night. I just always had a feeling that they they weren't gonna win. I don't know what it was about the game. I thought the uh, the first goal that Beauvillier scored too. Like he he's really coming on and yeah. uh, has been a joy to watch the past what four or five weeks since he's kind of moved up uh, the the roster chart. So uh, another good sign. But yeah, they they probably should have won that game. It was a fluke weird goal that the Knights scored to take the three, two lead. And, uh, yeah, the Islanders are kind of be ruining missed chances there. Uh, power play again too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been bad. Uh, um, they, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. Um, they had, uh, going back to that game on Monday against the penguins, they had uh, a power play in overtime, which I mean, doesn't happen too often. And it happens to the Islanders even less than it happens to pretty much everybody else. So that's a gift. And then they got a second gift when goalie Casey DeSmith lost his stick. And uh, he had no stick. The Islanders are on the power play. And they just sort of kept feeding Ryan Pollock to just unload that big slap shot. And uh, it was blocked a couple of times by a couple of different Penguins. And then Smith, once once the, the puck actually made it through to DeSmith, he just made the save. And uh, it was not confidence building. Um, they're... Thinking far too much, uh, Trot said. Uh, Arthur Staple had a cool article about sort of the slap shot's role in in modern hockey and Ryan Pollock's in particular. And Trotz basically echoed what I think a lot of us echoed. Certainly, what I was thinking, which was that like it's kind of stationary and they've got to work on getting him open. And you know, some guys they have big slap shots like that and they try and you know put the puck through the end boards. Um, that's not going to work. Like <laughs> if they're going to see it, they're going to stop it. And, you know, he talked about how we've worked with Shea Weber and kind of, you know, taking him from a guy with a big slap shot to a guy who scores a lot of goals by taking a little bit off the slap shot and adding a little bit more movement. And he's trying to kind of do that with Ryan Pollock, although Ryan Pollock is not a sort of vintage Nashville Shea level, Shea Weber levels yet, obviously. Um, Pollock still seems to feel like he needs to just hammer it home. But, yeah, the power play is really killing them. And in, in particular, the game against the Jets, um, had they – you know, potted a, a goal. They had a number of power play opportunities, and had they potted a goal right there, the entire game would have been different. The, the first period against the Penguins was filled with penalties, and then the refs put their whistles away, and again, they, they came away with pretty much nothing. So, you know, if the Islanders missed the playoffs, and, you know, I mean, at this point, there's 52 games left in the season, so a lot can happen. Um, it's games like that that are going to really haunt them. So the game against Vegas, the you know loss against the Jets, again, they had a chance to win it, and they didn't. That game against the Panthers, are they just like, came out flat as a pancake back in like October. Um, you know, it, they're frustrating. And like for all the good things we can see the Islanders doing, there's still a lot of tendencies that are really irritating <laughs> and, you know, not scoring on the power play, having guys in a lineup that aren't really going to get points 
uh, is is one of them. So it's kind of got to take the good with the bad, I guess. And this was a week where, unfortunately, you know, you can kind of take the bad more than the good, yeah. I guess. And it's it's like that season when the lockout year when they made the playoffs and they, uh, I, like, they unfortunately, the goaltending just kind of let them down and, and it, it, they weren't supposed to be there. So you took it as a, you know, oh, that was great kind of house money. But at the same time, the Eastern Conference was sort of there for the taking. The Penguins were there for the taking that year. That could have been, you know, it was it tur- it went from a you know like went from house money to to a missed opportunity very quickly, uh, and that's which just not what you want this season to turn into either. Like, yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far, but they're in the thick of things, so maybe they should start acting like it a little more. Uh, <laughs> like, I, 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 yeah. I don't know the better way to put it, and I understand. Uh, like kind of the process and the thinking behind what some of the decisions they're making. Uh, I don't agree with it, uh, but there's, you know, like we always say, like those two guys that are making the decisions most for the most part are uh, hockey geniuses and have been in this game a lot longer than you or I ever will be. So uh, it's, you try to trust them, but at the same time you wonder, uh, you know, when, when the, We've, we're seeing teams around the league are, have made it to that point where, where changes. Obviously, the Islanders' changes will be different from, you know, hiring Ken Hitchcock. But those changes are working for a lot of teams. So uh, right. I think the Oilers are eight two and one under Hitchcock. So it's just like there's going to be something at some point. So yeah, um, you know, and we kind of knew a stretch like this was going to happen, I and mean, we've, we've almost been talking about it all season. Where even when the Islanders are playing well, we're like, yeah, they're going to get to a point where they're not playing so well, and I guess this is that point. Um, but they're still picking up points, which I guess is, you know, the best you can kind of hope for. Uh, as Dom said in his you know, bits this morning, you know, they've kind of so far avoided losing streaks. You know, you lose a game here. Two is really not a streak, um, but – you know, they've l- avoided those sort of long streaks that they, they had under Jack Capuano and Doug Waite, which is good, and hopefully they can continue to do that. But, yeah, the, I'm, I'm okay with them not being a dynamic team. I mean, if we watched, we all watched, you know, Trotz when he coached Nashville, and that was a team that was devoid of talent for, you know, five years. <laughs> but they they weren't that bad. And, you know, he brought them to the playoffs with, a, with a, one of the most anonymous teams you've ever seen. So I think he's pretty good at doing that. Um, as long as they're they're winning games and, you know, for the most part, again, they've, they've done that. But it is getting to the point where you wonder how they're going to inject some some scoring into this because um, it's, you know, we, we've talked about it. Arthur Staple was called out for calling them a team that's not going to come back from a two-goal deficit even after they've done that three times this year. But they really aren't. You know, even though it's happened a couple of times, they, they still aren't built like that. I mean, even last night with the, the Vegas game, I didn't actually watch it. I was at my office Christmas party, which was lovely, by the way. I'm still full from uh, from all the food we had. But, uh, the um, you know, when I saw that the Golden Knights had gone up 3-2 in the third, it was it was early. Like, it was only like four or five minutes into the period, not even maybe. And I thought to myself, well, they got 15 minutes to, to tie the game and maybe score a goal. I mean, that's a long time, 15 minutes. And it just didn't seem like they were really ever going to. And, and that's a shame, you know, to not be able to get one goal in 15 minutes kind of goes to what's going on. And, and there's good things that are going on too. We'll talk about one of them uh, towards the end of the show, but at the same time, you know, you're icing guys like Ross Johnston and, and Leo Komarov who, who might've been hurt. He was a, sort of a game time decision. He ended up playing, Josh Hosang didn't play. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, the entire fourth line is good for, like, maybe a goal or two a week. <laughs> so they're not guys you want to particularly rely on. Brock Nelson's hot start is now a thing of the past. He's he's kind of cold right now. He looks fine. He's playing okay, but he's just gotten that sort of snake bit mode. Uh, Josh Bailey, too, doesn't seem like he's really kind of putting up points the way he was earlier in the season. And so that, you know, they need to inject some sort of scoring into this. And I know I can already see people rolling their eyes like, oh, my God, enough with Josh Hosang already. But it's not really just about Josh Hosang. Like, I don't – I'm not saying they put – Josh in the game and all of a sudden they score because I mean he could turn the puck over just as much as anybody I mean last night uh, a turnover by Nick Letty and a miscommunication between Robin Leonard and Thomas Hickey was kind of the difference in the game and I mean those things could happen to Josh Hosang too but it's it's really more about just sort of getting these guys to to a point where they can score regularly and right now that isn't happening and their shooting percentage has been kind of all over the place all season Getting guys who aren't supposed to be scoring, scoring guys that aren't scoring, uh, guys that should be scoring, aren't scoring. So they need to kind of sort that out. And I just don't know if they can do that with the personnel that they have right now. You know, Ross Johnson's a guy we all love, but still, like, there's got to be somebody better they can put on that line. That's not him, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and like we've said, we've said it on the show, and Arthur said too. Like, just because this team isn't built to come back doesn't mean they won't. Like. The two ga- two of the three one of the games that they came back against they came back against the Red Wings who are never going to be a team that you know it's it's going to make it hard or this season at least going to make it hard for you to come back against they're not good the other one took was at the Coliseum against the Blue Jackets and took Anders Lee basically wrestling a puck into the net for the first goal <laughs> so, to get it started so I mean ju- the like the Islanders if they do fall behind two nothing aren't going to be like the Jets where they can aren't. Let's get Patrick Line a couple shots. If he scores, you know we'll be right back into it. We're, if he doesn't, we're not. Like the Islanders are going to be like, we got to get probably going to need to get lucky uh, to get back into this game. And as coaches say, like you get lucky when you start working hard and, and the bounces will go your way. And that's kind of what, what they're doing. And it would be nice to have scoring punch up and down the lineup where it's not like that. Where he said, all right, like we can ice the third the third line in the offensive zone here. Um, down to nothing and maybe they can create something because they got someone who can distribute the puck and and Val Philpil has been fine at finishing <laughs> and, I mean so <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's frustrating because there are uh options kind of there's one right now like you said like on the on the roster there's a couple uh other ones who probably in in Bridgeport who are better options uh like Kiefer Bellows and Dal Cole and uh they just aren't I don't know if if they they're just like in the plans to to see the season. It, it sounds like the uh, the evaluation period that that Trotz and and Lou were talking about in the beginning. You know, the twenty to thirty game, whatever it was, is kind of at the end. And you know, like it's it's hard for these guys, the the, the players like Kamarov and Russ Kunakle and Russ Johnson. Like they're very likable hockey players, and coach, there's a reason coaches love them, and they're still in the NHL, and it's. Because you know, because they play, they make life easy for coaches or they, they don't really have the skills, but they, they try hard and it's, it's, they can kind of fall on the sword if putting them in a lineup because they say, oh, well, you know, he's a character guy. He doesn't make mistakes and he plays the type of game you want out of that line. And, uh, I'd rather see a little more risk reward in, in the lineup. Uh, and it's kind of there for the taking and hopefully the Islanders aren't just, you know, messing around with, uh, with Hosang up. And are giving going to give him an opportunity at some point because, uh, yeah, there's it's only so many so many points out there and and they're now squandering they squandered a couple that 
sure they, they earned a couple hard ones, but they also squandered, you know, four that, that they were in well and within reach of, of taking. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too too far into the the host saying rabbit hole because there's a good chance that we could end up, you know, finishing this recording in a little while and immediately see the news that he's been sent back to Bridgeport. <laughs> so I don't know what their schedule is like, so that could happen, and and that would that would really be a shame um, because I think you know everybody wants to see him try out there. And again, you know, I'm not saying he needs to get one game and kind of push all his chips in the middle table. And if he doesn't score in that game, well, well, he's back to Bridgeport. Like that's not going to be helpful either. And if they're, they don't want to do that to, to Josh, I, I get that. And like you said, there's a reason that every coach does this. Like it's not just a trots thing. Every coach has those guys on the team that they just keep playing over and over again because they're just, you know, they do what the coach tells them to do. And if they make a mistake, that guy gets sort of the benefit of the doubt. And a younger guy who the coach doesn't know as well might not get the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, you know, I think, like you said, if they've squandered some points and if they're going to stop doing that and really, you know, put themselves in a, in a position to uh, make the playoffs after, you know, the second half of the season, they're going to need to stop doing that. And that means that they're going to need to start getting consistent offense from somewhere. <laughs> and it can't be Val Philpola and Casey Zizekas. Like, it's got to be guys that are on the top line. Lee has, I think, probably been the most consistent. Like, I don't think his his season has been, you know, very different from any of his other seasons. I mean, I don't know how many goals. What does he have, like 10, 12, 11 or 12 goals at this point, I think. So, um, you know, that's sort of where he's at. And, and I think he can finish with his usual, you know, between 30 and 40 goals. I guess he had 40 last year. Um, but, again, he, he's got a very specific skill set. Like, he's the guy on the – and with the power play not working – that skill set's going to diminish. So he might end up with less than that. And so uh, they need to find out that they've done a great job in cutting down the goals against. They've only given up 88 goals so far this season, which is like probably half the amount of goals they gave up last season. Like I said, their, their goal differential is a minus three at this point, which is not great, but at least it's, it's not completely crazy. Whereas I'm almost certain their goal differential was like a minus 30 at this point last season. So they've done a great job doing that. And I think the players really have, kind of bought in and and they're all kind of taking the trots philosophy at this point, but they can't keep throwing away points like this. They've been in every game aside from that six two loss to the penguins. They've pretty much been in almost every game for the last little while. And just, they haven't taken points and that's incredibly frustrating as it must be for the coaching staff and the players. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating to watch too. Yeah. It's, there was a huge, huge check, like a huge list of things that they had to check off and they've, basically ticked every box to get to this point, right? They, they fixed the, the goaltending was, has been good. They got to play a more structured game. They kind of got rid of the, like, like the blown leads. I mean, they've blown leads, but it's not been like, you're not sitting there Islanders up three, nothing and saying, all right, it's basically zero, zero because of the way they play. Like they've, they've done basically everything we've wanted to this point. So, but we're at this point now. So now it's time to, you know, make a, make make like not I don't want to say statement it's not like that it's it's more like just like show you that <clears throat> like they they should just realize where they are and and hopefully realize what's there for the taking like this metro, the metropolitan division is a mess and terrible yeah, it's, it's absolutely terrible, it's terrible. <laughs> like every team except for the islanders and i guess you can you can say the rangers has and and the i mean the capitals are now all of a sudden in the first in first place but like th- these these teams aren't are all flawed like we're not going against the the juggernaut penguins or the juggernaut capitals 
It's not the the Rangers with Lundqvist, you know, and this division is there for for the taking. Someone someone could easily just get hot and in the in, in April and May and and win the whatever playoff rounds you would call them. Yeah. You now in the new system, but so the I, difference between second place and seventh place is like four points. Like it's nothing. It's basically right. <laughs> any any team is still open for the team. Just because I think just because like Lou and Barry or wh- whatever, like they didn't plan for this to be the case, maybe doesn't mean that they shouldn't take advantage of the opportunity. Uh and hopefully you know, they see that and, and they kind of reward the fans. I mean the island I think Islander fans have done a really kind of good job this season. Uh obviously there's a, there's been a ton of optimism so it's been a little easier but uh you can see like that this they've taken this team in uh they like watching this team i don't know what the ratings are but it feels like you know people are watching games people are just from like looking on twitter and stuff and being at the coliseum game people talking even being at a couple of the brooklyn games like there's there's a, a feeling of optimism surrounding this team uh and those two guys you know you guys haven't been here that long but this doesn't happen very often here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so. true. I liked uh, in the replay. Uh, I was watching the the Vegas game. Butch, the the so the Golden Knights scored like thirty four seconds into the game. The Islanders were <laughs> Casey Zizekas took a, a penalty twenty seconds into the game, and Vegas scored like fifteen seconds later. So the game wasn't even a minute old, and they were already down one nothing. And and Butch Goring says, "Well, they're taking the crowd out of it, Brendan." And I was like, um, "Butch, I don't, this is a game in Brooklyn. I don't think the crowd was really in it." To begin with, uh, it's it's always sounds pretty dead there because it's kind of cavernous. Um, but yeah, no, I mean they, they've instilled they they've gotten people's attention. Let's put it. well, I, I should say that they've gotten the attention of Islanders fans, and I think right. a lot of Islanders fans, like us, in fairness, were kind of ready to, you know, maybe maybe be a little bit casual this year and maybe just sort of you know take it as it comes and be like, yeah, well, we'll see what happens, see what these guys do. I'm not expecting much. But you know they've got they've got expectations up and they and they want to do stuff and you know it's it would really it would really suck if we got to this point and again there's still more than half the season to go so it almost feels weird to even say this but like it would suck to show so much good stuff and then not make the playoffs you know and I mean I, that might be okay for the long term future of the team which I guess is the the point that would be great. But you know, in in the immediate, it would really it would really be disappointing if we got to that point and we're just like, yeah, they missed the playoffs by a point, but boy, they were really pretty good that year. I don't know if people that might just turn people off again, and then the next year you're kind of back to square one again, where you got to get people's attention, and maybe they would, I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I think that yeah, they've 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 done enough this year that it's been pretty good, and they just kind of need to push it to that sort of next level, and how are we going to get there? I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, yeah. I think it's almost like we've the Islanders have been good at overperforming this whole year. Like we've 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 heard about their um, like their predictive numbers, and they're not very good. They get they're getting better. Like quietly, people nobody's really talking about that outside of like the Islander, uh, like guys yeah. like Carey and and Andy Red Eagle. Like they're getting better. Uh, and but they, yeah, they outshot the uh, the Knights yesterday. They uh, they outshot uh, Winnipeg, I think, too. So yeah, and, and yeah, just every. I mean, they they're just generally getting better at everything, a little bit game by game, which you'd expect under when you have like one of the league's best coaches, which they have. Like, the New York Islanders have one of the league's best head coaches. Really weird to say that still. Uh, <laughs> the like these the and the team is already kind of built to beat those stats to overperform. 
I was talking with someone that's what I was saying. Like, they're good at overperforming. That's just the type of team they are. They're going to beat those metrics. I think we can all just take that as part of, you know, the Islanders' game plan for this point. And when those metrics get better and they keep overperforming, they, they should, you know, continue to get better. But if they can throw in just a little bit more flair offensively and get um, maybe a little a couple guys they also haven't got best efforts and there's one of them who i think we're starting to see we'll talk about in a little bit um but we aren't getting best efforts from two huge pieces in ryan Pollock and nick letty like those two guys haven't found their game yet um pollock's been a little bit better than letty has but the, neither one of them have hit the 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 ceiling that we we'd expect out of them for their season um so they're they're still hanging in there without their number one and number two defensemen so mm you know yeah like there's still there's still good things but like i said like the, the islanders are here and we we just were saying like let's now take that and run with it like let's make something of the season that has been really good so far yeah no that's true the the nick letty thing i mean we, we've talked about it before we, we talked about pullick earlier but the nick letty thing is really at this point i don't know i really don't know again he had a turnover last night that ended up become being a goal and he's not really helping out on the offensive end and I don't know. Maybe there's something about – I would say it's maybe he's just not taking to Trotz's system, whatever that is, but this stretches back to last year. And it's just, you know, I don't don't know what it is. And and it's, you know, it's – like you said, it's concerning because he's essentially – ostensibly their number one defenseman. And if he's not going to be, then the next guy up would be Pollock. And, you know, Pollock's done a lot of good things defensively this year, and I think he's he's come along. And he's, I mean, he's obviously much younger than, he's 24, so he's younger than, than Letty. But, uh, yeah, they have yet to really utilize those that offensive potential, too, which would be a real game changer for them. So, um, yeah, there, there's, you know, again, we've, we've <laughs> danced around a lot, but there have been good things this season. There just, there haven't been, but there's still things that really need to be worked on and, you know, it was just we kind of. I think we're all kind of in the same boat that we just want. More. It's like they, like they made the want. big fixes. They they've made the big fix, the hard fix. Right. There's a pretty couple right. pretty easy fixes. It seems like. So you know, don't you know, cut your nose off despite your face or whatever they say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Uh, so, but uh, but yeah, like um, but one guy who's who's coming along, like you said, and now we can we might as well just get to it is uh, Matt Barzell. Um, he. I don't want to say he was struggling because he always got points, but it just, he didn't quite look like his Calder trophy winning self uh, for most of the first 20 plus games of the season. But I thought the first game in I thought the game in Detroit on Saturday, just in watching it seemed like the, really the first vintage Barzell game of the season. Like he was flying, he was drawing penalties. He was, he was, you know, in on the offense, every, every shift he was on the ice for something good happened. And that was what, was like last year and he was still pushing things along. Um, and that sort of continued. He's got, I think a four game point streak, I think. Um, and he's mostly racking up assists, but he, he was really a force last night. I mean, again, he forced another turnover and, uh, got Adam Pellick, you know, dropped a, a puck to Adam Pellick who scored at the tie to take the lead at one point. And, uh, I think we're finally seeing the Barzell that we saw last year. And, you know, it might have taken some adjustment time. Again, he's seeing a lot more focus now from other teams, but he's getting there. And that would be a huge help. That would, I mean, talk about flair. That dude is, you know, one of the most flair-filled players in the entire league. <laughs> so that would be awesome. And uh, that would really help go a long way to, to making the, you know, making that sort of, giving the Islanders that, that, that tool that 
they need to always be able to score a goal. And I think that's what it was last year. It always seemed like, you know, he was ready to be to, to score goals for them or, or create goals whenever he was on the ice. And we haven't really had that this year, again, despite getting the points. But it seems like he might be back to being where he was last year, which would be awesome, just not only from uh, a strategic point of view, but from an entertainment point of view also. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody who posted – I can't even remember who it was, but someone posted a video of some shift he had against the Canucks last night and uh, or the other day on Twitter, and I saw it, and I was like, that is – probably the best shift he's had all season and they've been too few and far between. And then right. this week, yeah, he's just been, I don't want to say this week, but he, the past couple games, he's just been like buzzing. Uh, I also yeah. think a big help is like Beauvillier, like I was saying, is like completely, yeah. is just so effective. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Beauvillier likes playing on a line with Barzell. Right. Yeah. It just seems and I think, I think it maybe it's a two way street there. I'm sure, you know, Barzell would like playing on a line with anyone cause he'll make him good. But, uh, yeah, Beauvillier and him are so effective. Uh, I think just the two of them are should they're basically you know automatic to play together at this point, just the way they're going. Uh, that Barzell shift that impressed me the most was against the Penguins. He turned the puck over uh, at the offensive zone to uh, Derek Broussard. Right, yeah. yeah, got the puck back yeah. and started a beautiful play. Uh, yeah. So, like, the, yeah, that. That was truly vintage Barzell in that he just never gave up on it, and like he did that a lot last year. Like he made he would turn over the puck over, but then he would get it back. He would stay he, right. And with I think it, so. it's funny. I think it's it's like a uh, like a psychological thing with with the opponents, right? Derek Broussard knows Matt Barzell as a you know dipsy doodler, uh, playmaker kind of guy who, when I'm sure has like the reputation just for from being so creative with the puck and being kind of a freelancer when you get the puck from him, you're probably like, Oh, like, you know, he's the type of player just from his profile that probably won't back check and try to get it back. So I think he surprises people a lot with that, like his tenacity. Um, he's cause he doesn't have the same reputation as, as Crosby and, and McDavid. Like he's more of a look what Matt Barzell did today. Kind of guy where people like isolate shifts and put, you know, these clips up on Twitter of him doing amazing things, but there's a lot more to his game than him you know, circling the net three times without anybody touching, you know, shifting direction and then hitting a perfect pass to somebody who's not ready for it because it's literally threading the eye of a needle and the Islanders don't have players good enough to make good on those player plays. But the uh, the rest of his game is super solid and I don't think he, he gets enough credit uh, for, for that. Yeah, well, that's what Trotz's thing has been this whole season was, you know, making him a 200-foot player. And I think they're working on that. He, he's going to get that. I mean, the, the dude is still only like 22 years old, so, or not even maybe. I think he might be only 21. So, you know, he's got time to kind of get that, get those those things down uh, while also being a dynamic offensive player. And we've seen that uh, coming around now, which is nice. Um, yeah, and I, I think that, you know, get, yeah, that, that shift against the Penguins was really great because, yeah, he lost the puck and then he got it right back and, and he fed uh, – I guess it was Beauvillier for the goal or whoever it was. So uh, that would be huge. Uh, Tyler Dello had a, an article in The Athletic this week about um, which first lines are producing and which aren't. And uh, the Islanders, unfortunately, have a first line that isn't producing. And a lot of it has to do with shooting percentage. Uh, Barzell is almost shooting 6% uh, this year, which is down about 3.5% from last year, which is a problem. Uh, the Islanders have other guys shooting higher than they should be, like you said, 
Um, but they need their first line to produce. And, and putting Beauvillier with Barzell, I think, in, in the long term is probably a good idea because I think it works better for both those guys. Um, I would just put Jordan Everly on that line with them because that we know has worked in the past. But I think Josh Bailey's there right now, um, which, again, in theory should work too, but hasn't so far. Uh, I don't think you know Bailey hasn't really done that much this year. He hasn't really looked well. He, he's, again, like Barzell, he was getting points, but he wasn't, like, dynamic. He couldn't really notice him that much, and I think he's kind of hit one of those little mini slumps that, that he's got right now. But, you know, I feel like a broken record at this point. Um, they need those guys to produce. They need the power play to produce. They need the first line to produce. They need the second line to produce. Because if they don't, all of the good things that they've done this season, and I don't want to diminish those things, but all of those good things this season are going to be kind of lost in the shuffle. And something I wanted to mention before <laughs> – um, I, I realize I think about this every time I read Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, which, again, is the only Sportsnet thing I read all, all year. I haven't read a single stitch of anything from Sportsnet at all this entire season. I haven't even logged on to TSN for anything. Uh, but I do read 31 Thoughts because you kind of have to. You have to stay in the know. And he, he's basically just kind of ignored the Islanders this whole time. And I don't know if that's because he has nothing to say about them or – Maybe it's sort of like a deference to Lou Lamorello's cone of silence. Thing, I think but... they're hard to figure out. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, that's really what it is. Tr- that might be it too. Um, yeah, and I just don't know what to do. But but even still, like you know, just there have and I again I turned over the keys to the uh, the Gmail inbox or the bits Gmail inbox to Steve and Dom and you know for to put stuff in the bits. But even reading the bits posts, like not a whole lot of people are are talking about the Islanders and uh, Brian Compton tweeted something the other day about how um, TSN was talking about like, you know, early Jack Adams candidates and Barry Trotz wasn't even mentioned. And even if you don't think he's going to win it, that's fine. But like, you can't just throw him in there. Um, I don't know. It just seems like the whole, the collective hockey world has decided to just ignore <laughs> the Islanders, which is totally fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. It's totally fine. But Again, you you don't want all of the good things that they've done this season, like cutting down the goals against and kind of coming together as a franchise, uh, going back to the Coliseum and the, and the fan base being re-energized. You don't want to lose all that stuff uh, in the you know by not winning games against winnable opponents. Um, and even if nobody else is noticing, we're noticing. And I just I, I I don't I hope we do, and I hope we really take that. So we don't take that stuff for granted. I hope we we really do appreciate it because it is better than it anybody could have possibly expected. And I will take a boring team that, you know, almost loses games, I guess, probably versus uh, an exciting team that gives up four or five goals a game and isn't going to go anywhere and needs a lot of fixing. Uh, you know, there's kind of two sides of the coin, and we, we've seen them both. And I think I kind of prefer this one. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I could change my mind too. But, it's, uh, yeah, it's just weird. So it's funny, like, when you when you look at the Islanders on – and I think, uh, like, Sean Tierney, who's – does charting hockey is his Twitter um, who puts up these very easily digestible kind of summary uh, visualizations. And it's pretty easy just to kind of get a grip of how teams play play and, and what they do well and don't do well. And if they're good or bad, basically. And the Islanders uh, right now in terms of shot rate or pace, he calls it, which is shots, shot attempts against plus shot attempts for in, in per 60 minutes. Uh, the Islanders are last place. And just if you look at that chart, you're like, oh, they probably played boring hockey. And it's not that it's – if you're watching them every day, it's not boring. Like you, if I look at the chart, like I immediately think, oh, the Sabres play boring hockey. The, the hockey, the Stars play boring hockey. 
but it's not. It's just like it's ho- it's first of all, it's hockey still. So there's a million different things going on. The game's played on ice, which is uh, <laughs> obviously levels the playing field, makes it 100% more interesting. And this this team is they're not boring. They're definitely not run and gun, but you don't have to be run and gun to not be uh, to be entertaining. Like this team is entertaining in its own way, and uh, I think the fact that people are starting to give so much more credence to these stats, which is a good thing and will help the game kind of grow and um, us learn more about like what works and what doesn't. It kind of just says, all right, like guys like Elliot Freeman look at these things and say, well, I don't need to pay attention to the Islanders. The bottom's going to fall out. Like they don't deserve my time. They, they're boring, whatever, which is fine. Like when they, come March or April, when they when the Island, when Elliot Freeman and, and those guys are trying to figure out, Oh, so that's what team Val Philpolo's on. Like, that's weird. I didn't know he was on the Islanders. Like the that that that'll come if they can, you know, just kind of stay at this level uh, and make things interesting. And and that's when you're going to start hearing the the trots for Jack Adams stuff, and we'll hear the the Barry trots long form stuff and uh, whatever. I don't even think it's going to take that long. I mean, uh, not to look too far ahead. We're going to get into the schedule in a minute, but uh, the 29th of this month, the Islanders are in Toronto. Uh, Whether well, and uh, that'll you know, I mean, that's obviously going to be a big deal for a lot of reasons, but I think that'll be the time when these guys finally look at the the standings and be like, whoa, what are they doing here? <laughs> and and all of a sudden it's going to be like, you know, you're going to see 10 different stories from eight different writers from around the Toronto area saying, well, look at the surprising Islanders and you know, giving them a pat on the head and then immediately ignoring them the next night and going back to, you know, focusing on what underwear, you know, uh, Austin Matthews is wearing today. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not complaining about the lack of of uh, attention. It's fine. I just find it funny that, you know, here we are. And again, you know, we're people that watch this team every day. Like we we know we're the people that read Staple and Gross every single thing that they put out. We read, you know, we're, we're the ones who immediately read Eric Hornick's skinny the minute it, <laughs> it hits the web. We watch the coach press conferences and like we can see the differences. And I think, you know, even as much as we want more from this team, we can still see the the positive things that they've done and, and the changes that they've made that, frankly, are, are very refreshing that aren't, you know, what was happening for the last 10 years or so. Um, but you just, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more recognition of it, um, even if I'm the one, you know, so I don't sound like a crazy person when I say, no, actually, they're, you know, they're not that bad. Uh, they, they need a lot of help, but they're, they're getting there uh, and they're not that bad. So, you know, you just want to see, I guess, you know, Trot said it after the um, the Vegas game, you know, it's a results driven business and he generally liked the way they played. And he said it a couple of times, you know, for a couple of other games, like he would take that game over and any, any night of the week, but sometimes the results aren't there. And I guess it's, you know, to sum up what we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes or so, you know, they, they need to find a way to get more results. Uh, to go along with the, the process. And so if they can do that, that would be great. Maybe it, it comes with inserting Josh Hosang into the lineup. Again, I don't necessarily know for a fact. Um, Michael Dow Cole played and didn't really do much. And maybe Hosang doesn't make much of a difference either, but it's got to be something. And it might come down to Lou Lamorello making a trade and, you know, kind of shaking things up a little bit. But uh, I don't know. It depends on how long that, that evaluation period lasts. Uh, okay, so let's um, let's look ahead at the schedule here. Um, they have two nights off. That's another thing too. I don't know if no, I don't want to make excuses for these guys, but they did play five games in nine nights, 
which kind of sounds like a lot. They had a game every other day since <laughs> from last Tuesday to this Wednesday, um, which, you know, Trotz didn't say anything. So I'm maybe not, maybe it's not as big a deal as I thought, but uh, that sounds like a lot of games. There was some travel involved in there too. Um, and they're going to travel again. So the 15th, uh, this Saturday, they're at Nassau Coliseum again against the Red Wings for the rematch. It's Billy Joel bobblehead night, which is a thing only wow. the Islanders could think of. <laughs> is he going to be there? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hope so. I mean, he's right there, right? I mean, I would think. It would be kind of cool. Um, Wednesday at Barclays was um, uh, Isles Mania. So it was WWE guys. Mick Foley was there. Um, Sergeant Slaughter was there. Uh, and Andrew Gross had the line of the night saying, yeah, you'd think he would have made lieutenant by now. This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is true. That's And that's a uh, former G.I. Joe drill instructor, Sergeant Slaughter, by the way. So there you go. Former member of wrestler, wrestling grade and GI, member of G.I. Joe. Sergeant Slaughter uh, and uh, Bobby Roode was there too. So there are a lot of cool guys there. Billy Joel is there, not a wrestler, um, but still okay, I guess. So that'll be cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully the Red Wings, um, you know, hopefully the, the Islanders can assert their authority against the Red Wings again. Nobody ends up bloody, but it should be a good rematch. And then they're on a little uh, a little Western Conference road trip starting Monday in Colorado, Tuesday in Arizona. That's going to be a, a rough one. And then uh, the 20th, they're in Vegas. Uh, That's a late start. That's a 10 p.m. start. And then Sunday, the 23rd, they're in Dallas. So this is a really, really tough stretch for them. And I don't want to put too much pressure on them. But, man, you got to get that win on Saturday at the Coliseum against the Red Wings. I'm sorry. Like, you can't, you know, losing at home to Vegas is bad enough. But, like, you cannot lose that game against the Red Wings, especially with that road trip staring you right in the face. The Avalanche are one of the best teams in the league this year. Miko Rantanen has like a thousand points in the first 30 games. The Coyotes aren't bad this year. They're actually, and the Coyotes always beat the Islanders at home anyway. Uh, the Golden Knights we just saw, they may not be the Western Conference champions again, but they're still pretty good. And Dallas just scores goals in bunches. I mean, they're a lot like the Islanders. Like they, they have good things about them, but they have yet to put it together and make a cohesive, you know, style for themselves. So, this is going to be rough. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I didn't realize this was that time of year, and I'm looking at it like, holy cow, this is this is going to be tough. And then they're off for four days for Christmas, so that's good. But, man, this is a rough stretch. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, not it's we've, good. We've, we've talked about the, the lack of a losing streak. Um, and this, like you said, they got to win against Detroit because this is a, something that can easily snowball. You can just see them losing, basically going over on that trip. Um, yeah. and then it's almost like you lose, it's a very dangerous, it's all, it's, you know, five, five games that you can see them, you know, I hate, I'm not being pessimistic, but like you, you can easily see the Islanders coming away from this road trip, uh, with like, you know, a point or two. And that would be really bad considering how tight things are. And the Islanders would then find, find themselves like at the bottom of things. And instead of, you know, when they go to Toronto, hearing all the good things about Barry Trotz, you'd hear all oh, the Islanders have been struggling and. Blah blah blah. Um, so I mean, that's getting a little far ahead of myself, and and a little bit in my own head. But uh, the I, I, I you you have to hope that they beat the Red Wings, which they should. I mean, it's a winnable game, Billy Joel night. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be packed. We know yeah, that. That so. is uh, going. That is. I I hope someone just records people talking in the uh, Coliseum concourse for that. You know, so we can hear what pe- the voices, the the accents. And uh, the you know Billy Joel fans coming out for 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 that one that would be a scene. I hope they have a uh, like a Billy Joel lookalike contest to like 
every bald guy with a goatee in the in the arena could come out of the ice and like we could decide which guy looks the most like Billy Joel. Yeah, and then they'll be like, "Hey, you're gonna be Billy Joel and uh, drop the first uh, the, the face up." <laughs> Billy, Billy decided not to come. Right, <laughs> but we found this guy who was uh, sitting up in section uh, 212, and he looks just like <laughs> Billy Joel. So there you go. Uh, do you play piano? No. All right. Well, that's okay. That's enough. Don't worry about it. And, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder. Uh, so he's the last time he did anything with the Islanders was the uh, the Belmont thing. So maybe maybe yeah. he's uh, maybe he's buddies with the uh, with Ledecky and those guys. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll they'll roll him out. They'll roll maybe throw a couple alumni out too. Yeah, um, actually, uh, that that's a good segue. Uh, so we talk about uh, real quick uh, the Belmont, the long-awaited Belmont uh, environmental survey came out. I think right after we recorded. And, uh, uh, you know, like John Ledecky had said, nothing too crazy. It seems like, you know, everything is in order where it should be. Uh, they're going to have a bunch of public um, um, uh, meetings about this. It's uh, the Elmont Library or whatever where people can can air grievances and, and make their concerns known. Um, it's not very exciting, but I think everything is still pretty much on track and they want to get started as soon as they can. And, you know, Ledecky's always said sort of May would be – the, the, the ideal time to to get the shovels in the ground and I think that's sort of the way it is I, I'm sure there's still going to be more protests and people complaining and there was some complaints at the uh, environmental studies hearing I, I, I can imagine that the people from like the state are just like you know they, they have these kinds of hearings probably all the time and there might be like one or two people there but then when the Islanders show up it, there's like a, a you know standing room only these guys are all over the place like yelling and screaming about their their traffic and uh you know, why isn't there a Costco there instead of this arena? So, um, you know, I think things are, are kind of going where they should be, and there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, drama there, which is great. Uh, so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Billy Joel will come out and announce that uh, everything's good and they're going to build the arena uh, at some <laughs> point. But we're still waiting on that. But it's funny that we haven't heard a lot because there just hasn't been that much to hear. Yeah, it hasn't been it's very un-Islanders. Drama. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. But, uh, yeah, I'm a... Uh... Like we've said, I'm not gonna believe that that place is gonna have a hockey game in it until I'm, I'm yeah. actually you, you buy physically a at yeah. a hockey game for it. Uh, <laughs> I agree. It's uh, I think that's what it is. I do love I do love seeing. Uh, I mean Robert Brodsky, who's I think really good at at um, this beat because he he's a cynic because uh, mm. he's a Nassau County reporter, so he knows that. Like everything is too good to be true in this county, and uh, so I think he's he's like just the perfect guy to to have on this beat. Uh, and his the way he has been reporting, it sounds like it's like almost a it, like the the tone of it is like this is going to happen, but it's going to be a little bit of a rocky road, and we just haven't got to that part point yet. Um, and the longer it goes without getting to that, you know, the the blowback becoming a problem uh the better and you know if they start putting a shovel in the ground and then people start getting pissed it's going to be too late so let's just hope we get <laughs> hope, hope we get to that point you know sooner rather yeah. than later because uh I, right. i'm still a little nervous i do find it funny that people are always talking about like well we want transparency and we want a voice in the in the building of this thing and i mean they keep having these meetings and so I don't know what what other voice they want, but uh, I guess you know if you're opposed to it. And again, there's there's good reasons to oppose having a 17,000 seat arena being put up in your backyard or near your school. And I, I totally understand that, but you know at the same time, 
a what else are they going to put the you know when when Belmont wants to renovate and they they're open to this sort of thing they're not going to put a supermarket uh, there they they want to put something that's going to generate actual revenue for them and this is the kind of thing that's going to do that and b um, you know it, there's a lot of people that want this to happen right up until the right up to the governor's seat like again this is it's such a weird thing when I think about how involved Andrew Cuomo the freaking governor of New York has been involved in the process of getting the Islanders an arena. Like why the hell does he care? But yeah, he does. And you know, the, the, obviously Ledecky and Malkin, as far as I know, are, are, have been like supporters of his and maybe donors. So, you know, I guess he's got a reason to do that, but it's just kind of weird to see that. Like you said, I mean, it's just, that's not a kind of thing, but much like having one of the best coaches in the league, having the governor on your side is not something the Islanders are used to, but there it is. <laughs> so we kind of just have to have to roll with it. And, you know, Again, like I'm with you. Like I want to see this thing happen. The shovel would be nice, but I want to see it actually finally happen. And and maybe at that point, you know, we'll we can put all of these, you know, 20 years of of anxiety and and you know, um, uh, bad bad feelings and and you know worries to to rest forever. And then we could start a whole other thing about you know. And I was thinking about this too, real quick. So Chris Letang was like before the game. He he said he much preferred playing the Islanders in Brooklyn because there's stuff to do. You can go to New York city, you can take in the sites. Whereas when you play at Nassau, there's really nothing there. Uh, he's not wrong. He just has to get in a car and go see the cool stuff in Nassau County. That's not, you know, the Marriott or the parking lot. Um, but I just thought to myself, you know, what happens when these guys, when this arena gets built and there's a hotel right there and there's a retail village, they're going to be saying the same thing. Like, yeah, the building is nice. The building is beautiful, but there's not much to do. We stay at the hotel, we go shopping and that's about it. So nobody's ever going to see the cool stuff that Long Island has to offer while they come play. The yes. It's like the, you actually have to sign with the Islanders to see that. Exactly. Stuff, unfortunately. And I think it's funny that it's Chris Letang who said that too, because he is a um, troll as, as like he's, he's, <laughs> I could totally see him just being the, that yeah. the way he plays is probably the way he is as a person. Um, yeah, which is Slight, slightly dirty, like slightly cool, but also kind of dirty at the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> his he, his uh, his prick prickness doesn't get covered up by his skill, and he's got a lot of skill. Right. So it just goes to show you how how much of a like dirt bag he kind of is on the ice. Yeah, uh, he uh, yeah, but I can totally see him also enjoying the hell out of Brooklyn uh, and walking around the yeah. streets and uh, bl- basically blending into to that borough because he looks like right. like that. Um, I was going to say he looks like a tweed jacket and scarf. Yep. Yeah, I know. I can, I can see house, him. Yeah. I could see him walking down the street right now uh, and wearing <laughs> wearing what he's wearing and, and where he's going. He's got a, like a little coffee in his hand. Um, mm. Sorry, Chris. Uh, in, there's a deli across the street. There's that Chipotle they like. Mm. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is somebody really needs to take Chris Letang to like yeah, Z- Zorns. Cool, cool places. Yeah, you know, take, take him out to, to like Huntington, show him some cool stuff, take him to – to Sagamore Hill or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever cool stuff. Not until next Zorn, year or, or the playoffs if we play them because inexplicably true, yeah. the Islanders and Penguins have played all four of their games against each other. Yeah, that is weird. That is, that is weird. I think the Islanders, they've, they've actually played everybody in the division at least once. But, yeah, it's weird to have finished their season series with the Sharks, Predators, and Penguins all before Christmas. Oh, yeah. That is really weird. <laughs> oh, and they will have finished their – their series with the Golden Knights also as a before Christmas, which is also kind of weird. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, I mean, good stuff is happening, bad stuff is happening, bad stuff could happen. Maybe good stuff happens. Maybe we'll talk next week after a couple of. We'll we'll probably have to talk 
um, after Colorado and Arizona, after Detroit, Colorado, and Arizona, but before Vegas, and we'll have to see where we're at there. Uh, if you're going to that Vegas game, if you you know the Islanders have been running a contest, if you go to that game, hey, enjoy it. Should be a lot of should be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this this could be a make or break section of the season, which I hate saying because mm-hmm. you know again, it's not quite the, the the new year yet, and I hate saying that. But this, yeah, they need to. They can't like let these four games go. Like this has to be. This is where they have to kind of kick it into that high gear that we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah, yeah, and and then uh, it's also like put up. I guess it's like the put up or shut up part of the calendar mm. starts like kind of right around the holidays where you you get evaluated. Are we gonna go for it? Are we gonna be buyers at the trade deadline? Uh, so there's yeah, there's this is kind of the 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 show me the money part, and uh, it's it's exciting mm. that they they are not you know 13 points adrift so <laughs> also true. good for the so, yeah, like, it could be the blues and the and uh the blackhawks right oh, now yeah the blues <laughs> the blues are like fighting in practice there there's there's factions in the in the locker room alex petrangelo versus alex steen uh i i don't know i don't know what's happening there and you know you talk about a, a team that's been stable for a long long time that that is one you didn't hear about all this stuff going on and here it is, and it's just yeah, it's really shocking. The Blackhawks have kind of imploded, although they they beat the Penguins last night, so they did the Islanders a favor. Um, Jeremy Colleton has not turned out to be a replacement for Joel Quenville just yet, so I don't think that's surprising to anybody. But uh, yeah, or the Kings too. Like the Kings have kind of fallen by the wayside, and you know, are they going to trade Drew Doughty, the guy who just signed like eight year contract extension or whatever? They're not going to trade Drew Doughty. Like they're just they'll figure it out. They'll They'll, one of those teams is probably going to get Jack Hughes. It'll probably be the Blackhawks, and they'll win three more cups with a forty-year-old Jonathan Taves <laughs> as their third-line center. You know that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Um, all right. So, did, did we miss anything? Not a whole lot of other league stuff has really kind of happened. Stuff in the Blues fighting in practice yeah. against each other. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, and so yeah. That's about it. I mean, I'm thrilled with the way the Lightning are playing uh, because yeah, uh, you know they're basically our second favorite team and everybody's yeah and i think that they won they won like i don't know if they still are on the streak where they won like eight in a row and they've won 12 out of like 13 games with louis domingo and he's and he's not even <laughs> he's not playing well at all uh right yeah they only had seven losses i think yeah. at the, at the it must check. it must so, be yeah, nice no. to be like that good where you could be like yeah, yeah we, we have a bad goalie and he's playing bad and we've won nine in a row <laughs> and everybody they call up from the AHL is an all-star. Yeah. Like that's yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, no, I, I got no I got no beef with the Lightning. I know the Islanders played them in the that playoff series a few years ago and I, I don't know, they're no, fine. Yeah. I like Stanford. Well we're we're gonna be rooting for them hard. Uh absolutely April and, absolutely. And, and May, I'm sure. So John John Cooper is also a Hofstra guy. Yeah. So yeah. you gotta love that, right? So go, go lightning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Keep would say doing so. what you're doing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Don't stop until say july something <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh i guess we'll, we'll wrap it up uh you should uh all right let me let me see if i can get this all right so let's uh let's wrap it up uh you should read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion you should also leave us a five-star review on itunes because that's just a thing you say on podcasts i guess um tell everybody your twitter account again it's the big lebowski with two e's the Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike there. Uh, you should go to sneakyathletic.com 
and check out their Islanders merchandise. If you use the code ANXIETY at checkout, there's a little discount code box. You get 10% off your order. Uh, so if you're going to some of these Coliseum games and they're, they're starting to ramp up there, I mean, they only have like, what, maybe half a dozen games left at Barclays Center, which means that they're probably not going to fix the lights that completely oh, yeah, bonkers that. yesterday. So I'm happy you know. Do you think they did that on purpose? Again, it just underscores the idea that these guys can't go back there. Like uh, Thomas Hickey called it amateur hour. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, they, they, they can't go back to that building now. They just, it's great. Yeah, it's I, just, they definitely did that on purpose. I, yeah. I don't care. I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist by, by nature, but that, that one is sound. I'm picturing uh, Johnny from Airplane with like, pulling the, uh, the yeah. plug out. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I could see that happening. So, uh, But yeah, enter the code word anxiety in the discount box, and you can get 10% off your order at sneakyathletic.com. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you for downloading. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And we'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. And I was saved, yeah. That's why I'm keeping the faith.